0: Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life.
1: Welcome to another exciting episode of Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens, and in this episode, we are continuing a discussion with Dr. Laureen Itterman. Dr. Itterman has been serving the Lord for over 70 years in many different avenues of ministry. Dr. Itterman, welcome back to the Lighthouse Studios, and thank you for joining me.
2: Thank you. It's my privilege.
1: Dr. Itterman, I know you're involved in full-time missions work. Presently, Can you share with me what your role is and how you're facilitating the spread of the gospel?
2: Well, when I was teaching in the Bible college in Moldova, I picked out 15 of the young men who were going to be used to plant churches, raise support for them so they could go out and plant churches in various parts of the world. And I also had a team, a teacher training team, because no one under 19, uh, under communism, could go to Sunday school, and we were training teachers and writing materials for the church's Sunday school classes. We had drama teams going to the public schools, giving Christian dramas, and so forth. And so I more or less, because I had this large team, became like the director, of the national leaders. They became the national leaders, very gifted young people, serving in Moldova, Russia, Ukraine, Arctic Circle, close countries such as Azerbaijan, Iran, and uh, Tajikistan, in some of these uh, countries, working with them to reach people, many of them atheists, because under communism, Uh, atheism was the religion and the christians were sent to siberia and many of them died there so that was my role and at the beginning we supported their salaries but once they got their churches planted we tried to encourage the churches to support because one thing i have people asking me repeatedly what's going to happen when you leave and I say, it's going to keep going on. They, I don't want them dependent on the Americans for their ministries. We help them to build buildings. We help them now more with projects rather than the support. But they're already sending out missionaries themselves from their churches. Amen. So it's so That's exciting. what the New Testament church is yes. all about. And even if they have to go with less... We say, just go for it. God will supply what you need. And if people sacrifice, then God will repay them. I, I believe that. I, I've heard testimony after testimony of people who have given uh, hardly anything left for them to buy, to eat. And God just gives them a windfall.
1: Dr. Etterman, you're a missionary. Is it always easy
2: Oh, no, course, <laughs> no. So you're no. saying
1: there's struggles.
2: There are struggles, and I'm glad, and I'll tell you why. Because the greatest thing we as God's children can do is to have a very close relationship with our Abba, right? Yeah. Our, it's the relationship. And it has drawn me so close to him that I'm often calling him Abba or calling him Papa. And as I'm going through my day, I'm talking to him so much during the day. What do I do here? Please let me know. And he does. He's like right here. And people who are just into the routine of church, into the routine of their religion are missing out on this relationship god wants this relationship that's why he sent jesus so we could have it so that's i've had hard times but as i say again i'm glad and thankful for them because when things get too easy i start floating away if you Mm -hmm. understand what i mean yeah start floating away, and then zoom, in comes another problem. (laughs) And I say, okay, here we go again. (laughs) But he's helped me through every problem. And he still keeps me going, even at 82, almost 83.
1: Wow. So is a person ever too old to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ?
2: Never. My dad died at 106, and he was still witnessing.
1: Wow. What people groups, you mentioned atheists, uh, and some of these closed countries are Muslim countries. Can you share with me some ways that the Lord is allowing the gospel to be shared in these closed countries? I know you may have to not use names and maybe not even the name of the country. That's fine. But just encourage us by sharing how the Lord is working.
2: One of my pastors, by the way, he's a converted Muslim who was in his home country, and he came to Moldova to Bible College after he was saved, and he fell in love with one of my drama girls and took her back. And we would go back to the country to teach teachers how to teach Bible because they planted a church there, and they needed some help. Uh, And so they, of course, are under surveillance by their whatever they call them there, the like the KGB or CIA or FBI or whatever. They have their own initials, But uh, and their lives are threatened often, but they keep going. They don't run. They're more brave than I am. Mm-hmm. I will say that. They're more brave than I. Anyway, we went to teach there, and right across the street from this Bap- little Baptist church that they had planted was a mosque, and I had always wanted to be g- visit a mosque. So I asked, do you think it's possible that my team and I, there are six of us, could go and visit that mosque? So they made arrangements, and the imam allowed us to come. Well, the guys could go into the prayer room, yeah, but the girls had to go into this little room where Muhammad's four grandsons who were martyred are prayed to by the women. So I walked in that room and I couldn't breathe. Hmm. It was so demonic. And I, I I, just couldn't breathe. I thought, what will I do? And I had read one time, if you need help like that, just plead the blood of Christ. Now some people are against it, some are for it, but I'll tell you, I did it, and I was free. Hmm. So I'm not saying what you do. I'm just saying it happened for me, and I was free. Then they took us women upstairs where they had a room with a carpet, and there were some steps going up to, like, a throne, and that's where uh, one of the Muslim women would sit, and read the Quran to the women sitting on the carpet below. And it was all draped in black. When I walked into the room, I had that same effect. But now, you know, I couldn't breathe, but now I knew what to do right away. Yeah. And so we did. Then the imam invited us down to his office for tea. Now, I've had American visitors. One time we took an American a group in, and All we could do there was just have tea with him, and they wouldn't drink the tea. But I don't know. I felt free to do it, and I I don't want to do anything foolish. Sometimes I've been stopped to do certain things. So you just have to depend on God directing you, but I felt free. But I wanted to share the gospel with this imam. So I just said, God, how can I share the gospel with him?
1: This imam, this is like the priest of the yeah, Muslim. Yeah, he's
2: the head. yeah he's of the like, mosque. Yeah, the ma's like the preacher. The yes. Yeah, he's the head honcho. He could order you killed if he wanted to. Hmm. So <clears throat> I, I said to him, You know, we're Christians, and we Christians believe that Jesus elevated women. What do the Muslims think about women? See, sometimes you act like you're dumb, Yeah. (laughs) you know, because I know they have to walk behind their husbands. They can't go into the cafe. They get locked up in their apartments for the day. They can't go out until the husband comes home from work and so forth in this country. And he said, oh, we highly honor women. In fact, there are four women in heaven for sure. And I asked him, well, who are they? And he said, Sarah, which someone said to me recently, that's interesting because, yes, Abraham was the husband of Hagar, and, um, <clears throat> but no, he said Sarah.
1: And that was the mother of Isaac.
2: Yeah, of Isaac, which is interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. And then he said, uh, Pharaoh's wife. I said, What? pharaoh's wife he said yes because she believed moses and pharaoh didn't and then he said mary but she wasn't a virgin that's he just said it like that mary but she wasn't a virgin and then Mohammed's first wife she was an older lady that who gave muhammad a lot of money so he could start his ministry so she made it So then I just kept asking questions about what they believe this, believe that, and I was giving my beliefs. So I was able to share the gospel. And this has worked, too, with another ministry we've had. And uh, I will go into that later about the taxi ministry, how we approach the taxi. But I wanted to share with you about this woman who was an atheist, uh, excuse me, who was a Muslim taught in the university and her experience. We were invited for dinner one evening at her home and she told us her story. She said one evening she was walking along the Caspian Sea on the beach, of course, and she lost her purse. And she was looking for it and it was getting dark already and she couldn't find it. So finally it was too dark to see anything and she had to just go on home. That night she went to bed fell asleep and had a dream. She said that God appeared to her and asked her, "Why don't you believe in my me?" And he then said to her, "Tomorrow someone's coming with your purse and telling you about my son Jesus." And the next day she woke up and sure enough someone rang her doorbell. She went to the door. Someone handed her this purse and said, Is this your purse? And she said, Yes. And grabbed this person and said, Come on in and tell me about God's son, Jesus. And she became a Christian. And now she's a dynamic witness among the Muslims. God is bringing many Muslims to Christ. I do not believe people get saved in the dream. But they, I know uh, Josh McDowell, I know him personally, he said many 15 to 24-year-old Muslims are coming to Christ, young people, and they're having, getting, many of them, the same dream. Jesus appears and asks them, why don't you believe in me? And then he says, search for the truth. And that's why I feel it's very important for all of us to be sure when we're witnessing to mention that verse. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Because now everybody, when you talk to them, has their own God. You see? Even in America, we're having that problem. What do you believe? Well, I can believe what I want. We all have our own. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So you're working with Muslims, you're working with atheists. Are there other people groups that you're working with or ethnicities? Well,
2: uh, let me mention Russians in Ekaterinburg, which is um, where Tsar Nicholas, if you know your Russian history, Tsar Nicholas and his family were killed. Um, Very fascinating history. But anyway... They used to work up in the Arctic Circle, and now God led them down to Russia, and and this is very atheistic. But they decided to plant a church there, Hmm. and so they planted a church, and they were going along okay for a while, and then they got kicked out. Then they had to find another place. Then they were starting summer camps for kids, and they went in, they uh, they chose where they wanted their camp but the KGB kicked them out. But they didn't stop. They went into the forest, hid into the forest, and had a camp. Then the next summer, they were going to do the same thing, and they planned where they would meet in the forest, and the KGB found out about it and told them they couldn't do it. So what did they do? They went into another forest and held a camp. (laughs) So they just keep going. And now... They know that one day they're going to be kicked out. But what are they doing? They're training the youth there to be able to do the ministry. People are getting saved, and a church is there, but sometimes they have to meet in homes. or It's kind of going back. In fact, politically in that part of the world, all over Russia now, all the Christian universities have been closed down except one. Pastors are of Protestant churches are having to fill out documents, and spending their money and time with that in order to keep their church for now. So mm-hmm. it's in Eastern Europe, uh, Russia they cannot have a Bible. So it's the doors are closing. It was open for thirty years, and now it's starting to close again. Uh, by the way, one of these pastors has a van, and. He has one of those fish yes. on the back representing I'm a Christian and their daughter said when he knew she knew about this problem they were having with the KGB. Papa, that's what they say for their daddy there. Papa, maybe we should take down that fish. And their father said, Nope, it's staying up. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Lighthouse Conversations, and I'm Nathan Owens, and I know you're enjoying this episode as much as I am listening to Dr. Laureen Itterman share how the Lord is using the gospel in different parts of the world, and specifically in Eastern Europe. Dr. Itterman, in... The Western Hemisphere, and as homosexuality is becoming more and more prevalent and prevalently accepted, and as it seems like the world's unbiblical influence is really starting to win, it can be discouraging. Can you encourage us by sharing how the Lord is working in Eastern Europe? or in some of these other countries.
2: Okay, well, uh, let me just quickly share one instance about our couple who were in Iran and then what they're doing. And then I'm going to go back to Moldova, where we're working with atheist Jews, okay? Uh, We have a couple who were working in Iran. They had to be very, very careful. They attended the university learning the formal Farsi language, and that's how they could stay in Iran, and they were able to do some underground work. But finally, they were kicked out. But instead of running home to Mama, what did they do? They said, you know, there's so many Iranian immigrants in Turkey. Let's go to Turkey. So they're now serving in Turkey, reaching Iranians in Turkey. Uh, plus, Iranian, Christian Iranians are going to Turkey to be get trained by our couple on how to go back to present the gospel to people in a way that they can stay there. So you see they're multiplying what they were doing before. God multiplies. Well, let me go to this Jewish ministry. I felt after visiting uh, Israel that God was calling me to Jewish missions. I didn't know if he was even going to take me out of Moldova you know, and start a new ministry altogether. But instead, he kept me in Moldova to visit a couple Messianic churches there. And then he arranged such that it seemed as if he wanted us to just go on our own and visit Jewish people. Now, these Jewish people are atheists, they gave their lives to the communist government. They had the best jobs because the Jewish people are very intelligent people. Yes. And they had the highest jobs in, in the country. And now, with their, as they're retiring, they're getting $50 a month pension. They can't even buy their groceries with that. They, they're, they're so heartbroken that they gave their lives to the communist government. And that's how they're being treated. So we decided to take, we found out about some Jewish people through some Jewish Christians. And we decided to go visit them in their homes and take them some food. And I took a translator with me. Now, they were very curious. Why would this American woman be coming to see me and bringing me food? Why is she here? So I would be very open with them when we'd go into the home and up front say, you may wonder why I'm here. Well, I want you to know, ever since I was a little girl, my papa taught me to bless the Jews. And if I bless the Jews, God will bless me. So if you'll let me bless you today with this food, God will bless me. And they think, oh, Okay, well, she gets something out of it. So they don't feel like they're just taking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'm doing her a favor. <laughs> so that's how we started going on. And then they tell, referred us to others. And then we bought an apartment, and we started having Saturday meetings. But we wanted them to go to church eventually. And finally, we gave up our apartment And they started coming to church. And now they're in church meeting Christian people, and they're getting saved. I had a lady the last time I was there who comes faithfully. She just happened to be at some relative's home when we were visiting this relative. And she started coming to church, and she got saved the other day. And, Amen. and But the last time I visited her, which was uh, several months ago, she came to me and she said, you know, this is the first I ever knew there was a Jesus. Wow. They don't know there's a Jesus even. They were told, you're just an organism. Your body's just an organism. You're going to die and be gone. Hmm nothing to look forward to except to die get what you can out of life now
1: and this is in moldova that you're reaching these yes, jewish the
2: jewish people and we've read reached hundreds of them
1: remind me where moldova is
2: okay that's a good question because would you believe don't think you're stupid i went to moldova and i i'm excuse me i'm sorry i went to odessa ukraine to work with those chernobyl kids you know affected by the Chernobyl. Chernobyl disaster. And someone came and said, uh, someone sent a package for someone in Moldova. Will you have someone take it from the Ukraine to Moldova? I asked, where's Moldova? And it was just an hour and a half away. I had never heard. And most people didn't know where Moldova was until it came on the news a couple years ago about the black market in Moldova. So... That's how they got to know. Now more people know about Moldova.
1: Okay. So it's Eastern Europe?
2: It's, it's, an, it's the poorest Eastern European country, but it was under the Soviet Union. Okay. See, all those countries I'm telling you about were under the Soviet, except Iran, I guess. So anyway, now we've had 30-some die of our Jews, and most of them prayed to receive Christ as Savior. Amen. And I have a good story if you want to hear about one Absolutely. of our Jewish ladies. One of our ladies uh, was, an, was an atheist, and she invited us to come for tea. Uh, so we went and we drank tea with her, and she served some chocolate cookies. Well, I have a weakness for chocolate. <laughs> and I, I mentioned to her, these are the best chocolate cookies I've ever had. So when she invited us again, she wanted to get some chocolate cookies. However, she always just said, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist, but she would listen to us talk about our Christianity. But she just would say, I'm still an atheist, you know, but we still loved her, and we'd go visit her. So when she found out I was coming back again, she looked all over for these chocolate cookies and couldn't find them. Well, she had a married daughter, And she asked her married daughter to look for these cookies, and they couldn't find them. So we got to her apartment, rang the doorbell, and she opened the door and said, Now I believe there's a God. We found those chocolate cookies just before you came. (laughs) (laughs) But she would still bow later to be an atheist, but we kept visiting her. Well, she got sick. And her daughter, who had been coming to our Bible studies in the apartment at that time, had gotten saved. And she was witnessing to her mother. But her mother wouldn't budge. But then one day she called us. The mother called us and said, please come over quickly. She said, I pray to receive Jesus as my Savior, and I want to make sure I did it Right. Well, we all know that Jesus looks at the heart. He doesn't care as much about the exact words. (laughs) But we went over, and she did it right. (laughs) And another reason we believe she was truly saved, she died right shortly after that. Mm -hmm. She said on her dying deathbed, please, please make sure my grandson Victor gets saved. She said, I want him in heaven with me. Hmm. And so we've been talking to Victor, and the mother has too. We found out just recently that Victor said, I'm watching my mother, who's a Christian now, and I'm watching to see how she lives, because I want to live that way too. But he doesn't understand yet that you have to have Jesus to live like that.
1: Dr. Ederman, it is wonderful to have you in the Lighthouse Studios, and we have just over one minute left in this episode. Can we finish this episode by you sharing with us how a person knows for sure that they are a Christian?
2: Okay, one thing we have to do is read the Bible. That's our source. Over 1,600 years, 40 different authors writing, and they all agree. That's better than most religions now with one person and making up a lot of things. So that's my basis. And what does the Bible say? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to be born again spiritually. How do we get born spiritually? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We have to go through Jesus to the Father. We have to confess our sins. And when we confess our sins, Jesus will forgive our sins. He died for our sins on the cross. That's why the blood was shed. That was the only sacrifice God would accept for the forgiveness of sins. And we can take advantage of that gift. Don't throw it away. It's a free gift. Why spend forever and ever in the lake of fire where you can never get out, when you can have this free gift of
0: salvation?
1: Dr. Itterman, thank you very much for joining me for this episode of Lighthouse Conversations.
0: Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or lighthouse, B-I-M-I at gmail.com or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454 or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code 268-782-1454